believe that God just sets us up for specific moments in our time in our lives at times where we are really in a struggle, really in a battle with something that uh, has the potential to really sink us. Man, that's good to see you. Amen. And I don't think it's God's will for us to be in a place to where we're not comprehending, where we're not seeing the fullness of what He's provided for us. When our vision becomes blurred and we're not clearly seeing, through our spiritual vision, life can become very chaotic. Many ships have been sunken on the sea of life. Because those piloting them did not have a clear vision. Of what they were up against. And recognizing everything. That was available to them. I remember. Hearing the story and also reading it about a young boy. Who was out playing in his sandbox. He had his bucket and his shovel and his little, all the toys that go along with sand. He had his little cars and he was building roads there in the sand. It was an open sandbox and there was sand and dirt and just kind of mixed in there. And um, he was using his shovel and making his roads and he came upon a big rock and... uh, he tried to dig that rock out, and, and, and he couldn't get it dug out. He, and he, he, he tried to push it, and uh, with all of his might, he was pushing. Then he, he put his back up against the sides of the sandbox to get a brace, and he began to push with all of his might against that rock, and, 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 and he just could not budge it. Finally, he just burst it out in tears. Just weeping. I mean, he was just broken up because of this obstacle that was in his way that he just felt he could not move. And while all this was happening, this little boy's father was standing in the house watching all this unfold out the window. And when he began to see his Son, his little boy, just all broke up and teary-eyed, crying. He walked out there and he said, Son, he said, how come you haven't used all the resources available to you? He said, oh, but I did, Daddy. He said, I used this shovel. He said, I I, I used all my strength. I I used my rake. I used my bucket, I I used my feet, I I, I used everything and I had. And the father with a smile said, no, son, you didn't. And with that, he reached down, picked up the rock, and moved to that little boy's way. Amen. We have a heavenly father whose eyes is on us. He's looking at us. And he's available for us today to reach out and to minister to us. Uh, I'm going to kind of give you an update to the story. Uh, Israel and Syrian, they're, they're fighting, they're warring back and forth, the king of Aram and uh, the 
only thing is, is that the king of Israel is always staying a step ahead of this other king. And the king all of a sudden just gets mad one day and he says, okay, who's the traitor? Who, who's the spy? Who's telling the king of Israel our next move and what we're doing? You see, the king, he would set a trap for the king of Israel and there he would come and all of a sudden, you know, he would avoid that place. He'd lay another trap over here and the king of Israel would avoid that. He knew exactly what the king of Aram was going to do before he ever did it. So the king's consulting his men, his chiefs, his captains, his lieutenants. What's going on here? Which one of you is a traitor? Who's telling Israel what I'm doing? And they said, King said, there's none of us that are spying or a traitor to you. He said, there's a prophet by the name of Elisha. And he tells the king of of Israel, he tells him the very things that you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. And uh, the king said, well, find out where he's at. They found out that Elijah was in Dothan. And so the king sent his armies, his horses and chariots, soldiers out to capture Elijah. He was going to put a stop. He was going to put an end to this little secret teller. So we kind of pick up the story there in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 14. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. I want to minister to you this morning on this thought. Things are not what they appear to be. Things are not what they appear to be. I want you to notice the words that begin there in verse 14. One night. It's amazing how things can just so quickly turn around in just one night. You lay your head down on your pillow one night and you're basking in the glory and the blessings of God and you're just all joyous and and all giddy feeling and man, you're just counting your blessings one by one and maybe you're laying there with your spouse and boy, y'all are just... Uh, conversing back and forth with, with all the wonderful things that, that God has blessed your life with and how great life is and how on top of the world you are and how you just don't know how things could get any better. And if they did, you just don't think that your feet would be able to stay on the ground. It's just, just a wonderful, wonderful season, a wonderful, wonderful time. But then the next morning you wake up and it seems like you are surrounded by enemy forces. I mean, you look to your right and it seems like something negative is going on there. You look to your left and something negative is there. Before you and behind you and under you and over you. It just seems like you're surrounded. There's no place to turn. There's, there's no answers available. And our words are, wow, wow, boy, that certainly blindsided me. I didn't see that coming. I wasn't expecting that. And the reason so many times that we do not see it coming is because the enemy likes to move under the cover of darkness. Likes to move under the cover of deception. He likes to move at a time to where we're relaxed, where we're at ease, where we're sleeping. 
And he gets his traps and his plans all laid out. And he gets us right in the middle. And it seems like at that time, he springs them on us. And they catch us off guard. They catch us unaware. They catch us in a time that we were on top of the world and we didn't even give it a thought about an enemy out there that was seeking to set us up for destruction. Completely off guard was Elisha and his servant as they woke up the next day. Now, let's move from the night into the light. All of a sudden, they wake up, the sun is shining, and the light reveals this army that has surrounded Elijah and his servant. They had moved under the cover of darkness. They had surrounded the city of Dothan. And there as the light shines, it reveals what happened in the darkness. It revealed what happened while they were resting, while they was at a time of ease. Now there are two lights. We know that Jesus Christ is the light. He's the light of the world. We know that He is the truth. He is the way and He is the light. We know, of course, that He dispels, His light dispels darkness, makes clear the things that are happening around us and the things that are taking place. The second light is Satan. He comes as a light. Believe me, He's not what He looks like. He's not what He looks like. He's not what He appears to be. In 2 Corinthians 11 and 14, For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Now now listen carefully. These two lights both reveal the horrendous situation that they're in. Both these lights will reveal... The horrendous situation that you're in. Jesus Christ, the light of this world, the light of truth, will absolutely reveal the traps and the snares and the powers that the enemy is using to fight your life. But also, the enemy light reveals that too. They they have these two lights. And both of these lights reveal what's there. Now, this particular city that Elijah and his servant are dwelling in is Dothan. The the name Dothan means two wells. Two wells. Now, remember the words recorded in the Gospel of John with the Samaritan woman and Jesus at the well? She's there at a physical well, a temporal well. And she's drawing water out of it. But Jesus shows up and reveals to her another well, a living well. He points out to her that this temporal, physical well will leave you wanting. It'll leave you lacking. It'll leave you thirsty. But the well that I'm talking to you about will leave you eternally satisfied. Eternally satisfied. Now... Whatever well you're drinking from will determine the light in which you view your current situation from. You see, you can view it through the light of Satan or you can view it through the light of Jesus Christ. And what light you're going to be looking through is determined by what well you're drinking from. Whether it's a light of truth or whether it's a light of deception. And the question this morning is 
going to obviously be, what well am I drinking from? Because some of us don't know what well we're drinking from. So we question, well, I wonder what well I'm drinking from. How do I know what well I'm drinking from? Do I know which well I'm drinking from? The answer to that question, what light you're viewing your situation from, is determined or answered by your reaction. Your reaction. When something happens and something goes down, how do we respond to it? How do we react to it? Because that reveals what well we've been drinking from. That reveals whether we're looking through a light of truth or whether we're looking through a light of deception. See, we'll refer to one side as fright sight and we'll refer to the other sight as might sight. So when you're looking through deception, a light of deception, you're going to have fright sight. When you're looking through a light of truth, you're going to have might sight. But let me point out that both Elijah and his servant saw the enemy army which had surrounded them. They both saw it. Elijah saw it. And his servant saw it. They both saw the enemy army. But there was two different reactions. The fright sight is the secular wells of this world which apparently was what Elijah's servant had been drinking out of because it affects the temporal human sight. Now, it did not affect Elijah with fright, but it did affect the servant with fright. They were looking through two different lights, one a light of deception, another a light of truth. Notice the reaction of Elijah's servant. I mean, he, he he's severely frightened. I mean, this guy is stressed out. I mean, he's flipping out. He cries out to Elijah, what? are we going to do now? I mean, he's paralyzed. He doesn't know whether to walk. He doesn't know whether to run. He doesn't know whether to stand still. He's looking for somebody that has an answer to what he should do. He's looking through a light of deception, and he has fright sight. And man, the guy is coming unglued. I mean, he's losing it. The deceiving light that fright sight looks through causes us to believe things which aren't true. It causes us to see things that aren't there. And it causes us to run when nothing's pursuing. You see, Elijah had this happen to him when Jezebel threatened him. Jezebel said, listen, send a message to him. By this time, tomorrow, I'm going to have you dead. I'm going to do to you what you did to the prophets of Baal. And Elijah runs for his life. I mean, he's already seeing his head rolling around on the ground. He's running from a dead woman walking. I mean, this woman's as good as dead, my friend. Now, Elijah thinks he's the only one. He's all alone. Sound familiar? Some of you think you're the only one that's ever walked where you're walking at. 
You're the only one that what's happened to you, it's never happened to anybody else. You're all by yourself. You ever feel like that? That's the way Elijah felt. As a matter of fact, he told God, he said, he told him twice. I guess he wasn't sure whether God heard him the first time. He said, I'm the only one left. Everybody's forsaken. Everybody's turned their back. Everybody, you know, that was worth anything, they're done dead and gone. It's just me, God. I'm the only one that hadn't given up. I'm the only one that hasn't quit. Boy, if that would have been all that God had back then, we would have been in terrible shape, wouldn't we? I mean, this man's wanting to die. He's having himself a pity party. He's looking through deception. And God corrects him. He says, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He said, I have 7,000 knees that have not bowed or kissed the lips of Baal. He said, I have a remnant. You're not the only one left, Elijah. And, and, and he went on to say, he says, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I've got two kings and a prophet waiting on you to anoint. God just had to get him looking through the right eyes again. You see, the fright sight will destroy you. We say we're not afraid, but our reaction is saying something different. You know, we like to put on the macho spiritual look. Like, we got everything together. Nothing bothers me. Nothing affects me. I'm ice cold. Nothing bothers me. And we like to build this image up. And that would be great if we could get there and react like that. And I believe we can. But a lot of us have those words But then when something happens, we fall apart and we cave in. And fear grips a hold of us. Sadness grips a hold of us. Chaos grips a hold of us. We wonder, what do I do now? Just like Elijah, what do I do now? Look at your spouse. What do I do now? Look at your kids. What what, what do we do now? Call the pastor. What do I do now? Call the neighbors. What do I do now? Call your boss. What do I do now? What do I do now? Now, the spiritual well that Elijah had been drinking from affects the faith of the spiritual man. Elijah's reaction is one of might. Elijah is overtaken by the peace of God. Elijah looks at his servant and says, man, take a chill pill. It's going to be all right. Things aren't what they appear to be. Our army is larger than their army. Our army is stronger than their army. Man, I want to tell you, our army is smoking. Literally. Literally. Whoo, man. Then Elijah prays for the servant's might sight to turn on. The servant then sees the hills filled with horses and chariots of fire. Elijah's looking through some might sight because he's been drinking from the right well and he's seeing through the right light, the light of truth. 
What fright sight sees as certain destruction, might sight sees as overwhelming victory. Overwhelming victory. Overwhelming victory. You'll get my sword hanging on the wall for a minute. We've got to see through the light of truth. Only way we're going to see through the light of truth is we're drinking from the right well. That well is Jesus Christ, the living word. Hang on to that. One of the rituals for covenant partners was an exchange of weapons. There, there, there was many things that they did. Covenant means to cut into pieces. They, they would take a, a, a sacrifice and they would cut it in two pieces. And, and the two of them would do uh, what was called the walk of death between those. Jesus Christ did our walk of death. He brought us into covenant with him. They would also cut their hands and mingle their blood together. As significant of becoming one. They would also plant a tree as a memorial to that covenant. <laughs> there was a tree planted on Calvary in memorial of this covenant that we are in with God. And there was a changing of possessions, there was a changing of weapons. And what God has done is he's reached over and took what was not able to win our battles. What we were trying to fight with. And he gave us his weapon. The word of God. Paul writing to the Ephesians. Thank you said that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, rulers of darkness and wickedness in high places. He told us to put on the full armor of God and to take unto us the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So when we begin to look at our situations through the Word of God, then we're going to have might sight. Because we're looking through the truth. We're looking through the truth. And I don't want you to answer this question, but you think about it. How much time did you spend in this Word? This week? How much how much time did you spend? See, the enemy is, is, is trying to steal our time. He, he's trying to make our lives busy with being a spouse, with being a parent, with being a student, with ministry. He's not necessarily trying to make it busy with all bad things. He can busy it with good things. But if he can steal your time of relationship with God, the intimate times, the quiet times, the growing times, the maturing time, the nourishing time, those times where God is molding you and shaping you and speaking into your life, to where... Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We want faith, but we don't want to read. So we wonder why, when something happens to us, why do we fall to pieces? Why, why do we come apart? There's a lack of this working and operating in our lives. That's, that's just the truth. If we had the fullness of this in our lives... Where would we be today? 
where would we be today? How many times have we been defeated in battle because we didn't stand and use this? And we whimpered down with fright sight because we were looking through a light of deception and our circumstances were speaking louder than the truth of God's Word. We need a daily dose of this. I believe that the Lord's Prayer is twofold. In the part where it says, give us this day our daily bread. I believe that definitely it's talking about ministering to our needs today, such as food and such as clothing such as raiment for us to wear, and such as a roof over our head. I, I believe that that is probably what it was speaking of in the literal form of the verse, taking it in full context there. But I also believe that there is an underlying truth that God is speaking to us and that we need a daily dose of this bread of life. Manna from heaven. So it's daily that we, I mean, you know, we wouldn't, you know, unless we're fasting for God, do we think about not eating? And if we do not eat, aren't we weak at the end of the day? I mean, there's a lot of anorexic Christians running around. Because we're dieting this. And we, we need to be getting a fat on this. Fat on this. It's because of the fatness that the yoke is broken and destroyed. That lying, deceiving spirit. <laughs> is saw right through. When this is what we're looking through, the truth of God's Word. What do we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. Do we really trust God? I mean, is this really truth? Is this really truth? I mean, do, do we really believe this? Because if we do really believe this, why do we act like we do when we get surrounded by the enemy? When... Our circumstances seem to be beyond our control. When our situation seems to be on our control. When it seems like what we've been holding on to is beginning to slip through our hands. I mean, do if we really believe this, wouldn't it make sense that it wouldn't affect us with fear? I mean, if we really believe this, I mean, if we had some crazy wacko that said he was going to come down here with AK-47s, come in here and shoot everybody. And we made a phone call, and this place gets surrounded by Navy SEALs. Would you worry? There's an army that is greater than the enemy that has you surrounded. There's an army that is greater than the enemy that has you surrounded. You see, fear stems from a lack of trust. And a lack of trust stems from a lack of the Word of God rooted and operating in our lives. It's the truth. 
I mean, we might as well just face the facts and look at it. We need more word. It's great to come in here on Sunday mornings. I, I believe that it's biblical. I believe that's what God wants for our life. I, I think it's great to, to have Bible studies like we do here on, on Wednesday nights. But we need to have a personal relationship with God through His Word on a daily basis. And if, if, if situations and circumstances are affecting us like it affected Elijah's servant, something's wrong. There's not enough of this. We're looking through the wrong sight. Now, my body, it's wrinkling. My hair's turning gray and turning loose. My steps are getting slower. My eyes are dimming. My mind's forgetting things. And it looks like I'm getting old and dying. But it's not what it appears to be. This body is giving way to the eternal life that is in it. Our world looks like... Mm, it's a mess. It looks a mess. Like it's in terrible trouble. And it doesn't look like there's any hope on the horizon in 2012. But it's not what it looks like. The world is yielding itself up in preparation for the rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Calvary didn't look like victory. Calvary didn't look like victory. When you looked at Calvary and you saw Jesus hanging there between heaven and earth and between two thieves, nailed and crucified to a cross, and His life's blood draining from Him, had been spat upon, crown of thorns upon His head, had been beat so unmerciful, Carrying that cross until somebody relieved him of that burden. Being nailed. Being spit upon and slapped and mocked. And a sword or a spear piercing his side. And him giving up his Last breath of life. It didn't look like victory. But on the third day, when that door of that borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea opened up to give birth to a risen Jesus, it looked like victory then. It's not what it looks like. The things that are surrounding your life are not what they appear to be. God is with you. Look at your neighbor and say, God's with you. He's not going to resign. They can't impeach Him. He's still on the throne. He was there yesterday, He's there today, and He'll be there tomorrow. There's nothing to get worried about. There's nothing to fear. We just need this Word living and reigning in our hearts and our mind and in our spirit. Amen. Got my amen corner over here. Every pastor needs an amen corner. 
Even when I'm not doing good, Michael, amen me. Praise the Lord. Church, we must be students of the Word of God. We must be students of the Word of God. And we must have it in a rhema way. You know, there's a lot of people that have a knowledge of the Word, but they don't get a rhema word. They don't get the living the life out of the Word. It's just something that they understand and they don't know. They don't have a relationship with it. It's not working and operating in their life. We need this Word living alive in us. We need to be devouring it and practicing it. And meditating upon it. Walking this thing out. Where it is. Where we're one with it. Where where it's a part of us. You know. Even the seven sons of Seba. When they were trying to cast out that demon. They they said. Come out. In the name of the one that Paul preaches about Jesus. They had a knowledge of it. They had no relationship, no intimacy with it. It wasn't alive in them. And that old spirit jumped out and beat them naked. Went running off down the road. Sometimes, you know, we we try to hurry through God's Word. Oh, man, I read three chapters today. Really, what did you read? Uh, The Bible. And then we come up against something. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. That's not the way God meant for a child to, his child to live. That's not the way he means for his children to live. He says, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. All of you that are heavy laden and burdened, come unto me. I'll give you rest. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. We've been made more than conquerors through him that has loved us. We've been made more than conquerors through Him that has loved us. More than a conqueror in Him. In Him. In Him. What light are you looking through today? What light are you perceiving your situation and your circumstance in today? What was your reaction when it happened? Was it one of fear? Did you begin to kind of lose control? Did it did you begin to get mad at God? Did you begin to get mad and upset at the situation? Did the circumstance begin to dictate your lifestyle rather than your position? God is wanting us to live victorious. I want to tell you, this is going to be the greatest year yet. I believe it. I believe it, we we this is the last Sunday of February. We have finished up two months, finishing up nine Sundays, and and they have just absolutely been phenomenal and fabulous. But the enemy is trying to distract us. He's trying to get our focus on the situation, on the circumstances, on the battle. 
instead of Jesus. Remember, we are in chase mode. We are in chase mode. And we've got to keep a steady, steady, steady diet of this Word in our lives. We've got to continue to move with God in this season if we're going to see it be everything that we desire and believe that God is proclaiming it to be. If not, if we continue to fall apart with these things that the enemy is creating and messing with around us, instead of just saying, hey, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm going to trust God with all of my heart. I'm going to trust God with all of my heart. You see, the enemy tries to pull you in to fight battles that you were never designed and meant to fight. God God didn't equip you to fight certain kinds of battles. And we get drug into that. We, we we allow these distractions and stuff and we get our hands out over here, you know, trying to fix this. And we get our minds all worried and all uh, all upset and our emotions are just running everywhere. And we're so unhappy at times. That's because the enemy has stirred up something around us and trying to draw our attention and, and our affections and, and everything off into fighting a battle that we were not designed to fight. That we were meant to give it to God and to keep chasing God. God, that's your battle. You take care of it. That battle belongs to the Lord. And we give it to God and let God and trust God with it. And we keep chasing God. We keep chasing God. Stephen Paul, would you come with your mic? I'm going to have Stephen Paul. Would you just stand, church? In closing, I'm going to have Stephen just pray a prayer. It was when, it was when Elijah prayed that prayer over the servant, that the servant's eyes become open. I I want our eyes to be open to everything that God is wanting us to see in this house today. Because I, I think some of you are in some stuff. And you're trying to fight it. And you weren't designed to fight it. God will do what He promised He would do. God will not deny who He is. He is faithful. Trust Him with His will for your life. Let Him open and close the doors. Let Him open and close the doors. But it was when that prophet of God prayed that those eyes were opened up and that servant looked around. He began to see all of those spiritual horses and chariots of fire surrounding them. And in an instant he recognized, why am I so fearful? What what am I worried about? I understand what the man of God has been saying. Greater are they with us than they that are with them are against us. So I want us as a church to be able to see everything God is wanting us to see through His Word. I I want us stirred to where we begin to set our affections on things above and not on things of this earth. We're we begin to get spiritual desires 
And those fleshly, lustful desires begin to break. And we get hungry and thirsty like we sang about this morning, God. Like we just can't get enough of Him. Just, 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 just more, 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 more of Jesus. More and more and more of His Word. More, Jesus. I want you, if it's proper, to just take the hand of the person beside you. And, and you know, if, you, if you've got the hands of two people, then, then you can pray for, for the one on each side of you. If you've just got one, pray for that person. But the Bible says to pray one for the other. And Stephen Paul is just going to be praying over this congregation of people, us as a body, as a church, that our eyes would just open up, our spiritual sight, our spiritual thinking, our spiritual conception would just open up and come alive in God. I don't want us to miss anything that God is trying to say and speak here this morning. I don't want us caught up in battles that we were not designed to fight. We just waste ourselves away in doing that. We wonder why we're so weary and why we're so worn out. Why we're, so tired. we're fighting battles that we were not designed to fight. It's God's battle. There's power in agreement. There's power in agreement. United we stand, divided we fall. Father God, thank you for speaking to us today. God, as I look across this congregation of people, I know that your prophetical word has been released. And God, immediately, as the farmer went out to sow the seed, the devourer came to devour and to steal, and to kill and destroy. But by the authority of the word of God. By the authority of the word of God this morning. We will no longer be victims of the enemy. Tell the devil, church. Tell him you will no longer be a victim of him. I declare this morning over the hearts and the lives of your people. I declare this morning over the marriages in this house this morning. I declare this morning over your children. I declare over the atmosphere of your home. I declare over this city. I declare over our neighborhoods. I declare over this house. I declare over your finances. I declare over your emotions. I declare over your health. I declare over your prayer time. I declare over your Bible study. I declare over our ministries. I declare over the children. I declare over the teenagers. I declare over the seniors. I declare over the adults. I declare over you this morning. We will no longer be victims of robbery. But we will be fruitful and multiply. We should multiply. We should grow. We should give forth the increase of the abundance of the spoken divine word of God in this house this morning. I release a spirit of wisdom. I release a spirit of understanding. God, the knowledge that your people have.
I declare the seed of knowledge that it would turn by the power of the Holy Ghost. I release the power of the Holy Ghost into your spirits, into your hearts, and over this congregation of people. We will not be anemic any longer. We will not be malnourished any longer. But I release the Holy Ghost to move upon the seed. To move upon the knowledge and take it to the understanding of the rhema. Take us deeper. I release the depths of the understanding of the heart of God this morning. I release the fullness. I release it in your spirit and your mind now. See it. See it. I release vision the dreams into you now. I pray that your vision would be open. I rebuke the spirit of blindness. I command the scales to fall from off your eyes. I command your ears to be unplugged that you would hear the prophetical word of God this morning open our eyes blind this enemy blind this enemy I smite this morning by the power of the Holy Ghost I smite deception with blindness I smite deception with blindness I smite deception with blindness I smite it with blindness God let us be a church of understanding. Let us be a church that drinks from the well of living water. Let us, God, your people have been thirsty long enough, and that is not your fault. But God, this morning, we will respond. Respond, I say, my people. Respond, I say, my people. Hear my voice this morning. I am not lying, but I am true, and I am faithful to my word. If you will only respond, if you will only do... And you will only act. I will turn it around. I will turn it around. I will show you rivers. I will show you rivers. I will show you wells. that will never run dry. Open your eyes. Open your ears. Respond to me this morning. Follow my instructions. And I will move. Saith the Lord of hosts. Monday. Reposhapakatai. Mondo mora mai fishai motai remeshipatai kota mai tai remeshimatai doubt not my children doubt not my children it is not my plan it is not my purpose for you to live in lack I am watching over you and I am speaking over your family I am speaking over your home I am speaking over you today if you will not doubt but you only respond you will only interact. I will move, saith the Lord of hosts. I long to move for you are my children. You are my children. I long to move. Do not hold me back with unbelief. Do not hold me back with doubt. But loose me, I say. Loose me, I say. Let your faith, let your interaction loose me in your life, saith the Lord of hosts. We as your people, we loose you now. We loose you now. We loose you now to move. We loose you now to speak. We loose you now to flow. We loose you now. Move, Spirit of God. I tell you this morning, church, our season is changing. Hear the word of the Lord. Your season is changing. Hear the word of the Lord. The Spirit of God is declaring by His Holy Word. The Word, the Word that is being released is changing our season. Is changing our season. The Word of the Lord is coming forth with harvest. The seed is coming forth with harvest. The seed is coming forth with harvest. It will not lie, but it shall speak, saith the Lord of hosts.
move. Move upon the hearts and the lives of your people. In Yeshua, Messiah's name we pray it. And everyone said amen.